This is the Culture Matters Podcast. Hello, the Culture Matters Podcast. Before I introduce you to our guest, our friend, our confidant, here's a quote I picked just for this episode. Every man takes the limits of his own vision for the limits of the world. Arthur Schopenhauer. Eddie G. Perez Jr., welcome back. Episode 28, episode 102, episode 140, I believe. If you're listening to this, go to those episodes or listen to this and yeah, go to those episodes now or listen to this and then go to those episodes. Today we're talking. What is a mortgage? <laughs> I mean, because the first thing I want to clarify is, you know, it's <laughs> not mortgage. Oh, that's what it's <laughs> not mortgage. That's what I was going to ask. Who's mortgage? You know, it's he? funny that you talk about uh, Schopenhauer because it's the, the term mortgage comes from Japanese about mortality. So it makes sense on how he is. His studies were a lot about morality that this also deals with mortality, which is, mm. you know, moralistic and everything. So a mortgage is just a debt instrument. So you don't have to pay cash to buy real estate, essentially. And wh- why do people entertain that idea and not cash, for example? Well, a lot of Everyday people don't, every, uh, people don't have the cash. That's one thing. It has been shown to be very affordable debt that doesn't get you in trouble and it's long term. Therefore, it allows you to build wealth over the time period. There's tax benefits to it as well. There's a lot of different hidden advantages uh, because real estate is very interesting um, when it comes to hotels, apartments, residential. As an asset class, it's the only asset class that is for human storage. So it's very fascinating. What do you mean by human storage? Well, you know, you live in a house or an apartment. Mm -hmm. Uh, You go on vacation to a hotel or a condo, even a business, humans show up to it. So it's an asset class basically built around the need for shelters of different forms, depending the circumstances for humanity. And that's why it has been such a powerful vehicle to create freedom and also oppress freedom because it's all based off property rights, which really deals with your ability to self-store yourself and your choosings or have somebody else tell you how they're going to store you. Mm. Wow. Why do you... Uh, why are you a part of the inch? Besides just my genuine love for it and an affinity for it, I think it's probably the most, outside of being a doctor, because that's literally life or death, or, you know, uh, a military person. I, I don't think there's any industry that can have more impact on humanity. And I could even argue, it may not be as emotional right out of the gate because you know a doctor saves your family member's life 
Uh, but I will tell you long term, I do believe that real estate saves, promotes, and grows people's lives if done well. So I think for the industry, it's just the special forces for it. I think it does so much for humanity. I think your impact is so huge on what it can do. And that takes a lot of it. That takes an immense sense of responsibility and you have to understand the, the oath of it. What are some of the myths about homeownership? Myths. God, there's some great ones. Um, yeah. There's conspiracy theories, you know, don't own a home, rent, it's better for you. Okay, well, guess what? You pay rent, you're still, somebody else owns the real estate and you're building their wealth. So uh, it was not, I don't believe that banks got together in a back room of cigars and decided to create this. I think that banks were smart when the mortgage instrument and the debts were created because they said, okay, how can we reach more people and how can we impact more people and how can we grow the overall economy and how can we promote more property rights that is, that's good for humanity. And real estate has shown to be the greatest wealth builder through history in this country. You know, real estate and real estate finance has created as many billionaires not as much. Tech has done a little bit more, but essentially it's something everybody can be into too. It's uh, It doesn't require you like, look, if you're not good at certain computer science and math, you may not be the best coder. Mm. However, real estate really is kind of like playing sports. It's just a bigger field. So it's it's really about your own ability and your own innate ability to try to improve. How does real estate build wealth? There's different ways, uh, depending on what vehicle you go with, you know, multifamily. Let's just, let's just talk about home ownership first. You're talking about home ownership. Okay. So you buy a house, you get the tax benefit, you pay the payment. More than likely, the payment that you're paying is less than rent. So the argument is you're saving money on that sense. Sometimes it's not, but the question also is, is are you in the small little apartment or then you have a 5,000 square feet? So you're not really comparing apples to apples. So when you compare apples to apples, it's a investment and a long-term play. Now the argument is, well, it's not an investment. The government can take it away because of your taxes. Okay. The governments can also take away your job and your business if you don't pay your taxes too. So that's a, that's an argument that I think is just perpetuated in a certain way. And over time, think about it, your house appreciates 2 to 3% a year. You get about a 2 to 3% write-off on the monthly payment, plus you're paying down 2 to 3% naturally over time. So essentially, your dollar gets about a 7 8% full dollar-for-dollar dollar impact return. Is that a great return? Some people want to search for 12. The stock market is done through history, but I think a very solid way that by the way you still do have to have shelter i mean unless you want to be homeless so you know and you want to have your own piece of america your property rights you know and you get that so there's a lot of behavioral economics at play there's a lot of mental health at play 
It's been shown that people that build home ownership and build wealth through it wind up having a better life because I think it has to deal with empowerment and it helps you get a little bit better. Now, I know the argument is the water heater blows out or there's maintenance. Well, there's maintenance on ourselves and our psyche and our body every day too. I mean, what are you going to do? Not eat? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to, you know, the the thing that I, I heard from Jordan Peterson, the, the mythical illusion of retirement of, you know, I want to go sit and drink margaritas, pina coladas on the beach. Yeah, that sounds good. But about three weeks later, you start going to mush. So you're going to go to mush. You know, real estate is something that could be everlasting. You can pass it down. You've heard of countless stories. Damon John, who spoke being one where his mother took out a second mortgage and look how that turned out. So there's just a lot of vehicles that can be used. It gives you a lot of comfort and support. Why do you think some of the reasons why this generation is being told by people not to own homes? I would tell you, look at the people that are saying that. What are their own self-motives? What are their own reasons? And not in a negative way. Maybe they had a very traumatic experience and you have to understand that. And that's what's shaping their mindset. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. You just got to know where people are at and you got to meet them there. Mm. How, how, how do you go about doing that? Why, why do you think it's hard, uh, it's hard for people to do that? people where they're at. I think there's got to be an unlearning around avoidance. Avoidance is taught too much. Like, oh, you know, you may not like, I don't know. know What's a great example? Something in a relationship that you have, you know, they, they may do one little thing that annoys you and you just say, eh, it's not worth the battle. So you avoid it, you avoid it, you avoid it. And then 10 years later, every stupid other thing chews you up for no reason. It's because you never embrace that. So I think there's a lot of avoidance. It's truly wise to say that. Mm. In the culture? In humanity. It's just taught. Like, pick your battles. There's different speeches. And I'm not saying don't pick your battles. There's, But that doesn't mean avoid. That just may mean refrain. Bring it back on another day when minds are clearer, situations or other things have evolved and you can really embrace that. So it doesn't mean bottle it up. It's just sometimes the moves better an hour later, a day later, a year, you know, whatever the time frame is. But there's a big difference between refrain and avoidance. Actually, I would tell you refrain builds strength because it does take a lot not to have an unregulated emotional reaction. What's it take? You just got to work on yourself a lot and you have to be completely cool with yourself and whatever was given to you in this life. And if you work hard, you'll kind of realize what you're talented at. You know, talent comes second, not first. You got to work on your skills and then you kind of discover. I mean, look, I never picked up a golf club. I don't know if I ever would have been pretty good at it. No, maybe I had a talent for it and I just never did it. That's it. it. This might be a stretch, but you think as 
people grow grow older and become interested in parenting and all of these things like people um process of buying a home and the process of putting one's belongings in it the process of making it in the image of what one would want there's a it impacts someone like it it it, it has a positive effect on their on their on their psyche a constructive oh, effect that, on their, I mean, absolutely. On their psyche. Absolutely. Some, I'm curious what you think on that. Absolutely. First, somebody that maybe could be more of a vagabond in one place in, uh, out the next, in another place here. Well, it's about there's less stability. You know, there's nothing wrong if somebody keeps moving, if that's what they choose, but there's something to be said about stability. There's something to be said about flow. There's something to be said about operation operationally moving in a direction forward instead of always having to pivot. There's definitely something. And I think there's a healthy sense of pride. I think you can be proud of your accomplishment because not everybody becomes a homeowner. If everybody got it, it wouldn't have any value. But, you know, the homeownership rates are somewhere in the 60 something percent. That's, it's a big win. I mean, there's a lot of people that never, achieve it, aspire to it, or get the means, mm. you know, says a lot. Yeah. What, what about, you know, those aged aging people that don't have homes, how do they fare? Statistically, I know that, you know, you statistically, know, you know, yeah. more than likely they're going to probably have to work, you know, cause there's a lot of people who have, Hmm used their home and paid it off over 30 years and then sold it and moved to Florida. Wow. Sit in the beach and they have all this extra capital and they raise their family there. And now, you know, between whatever they saved and a little bit here and that extra, they can now live pretty comfortably and enjoy the golden years. However, they so desire. I mean, that's been one of the things that has made that community, the villages in Florida so huge. And now they're adding more to it. Because a lot of those people, you always hear the same story. We've done business in there. Oh, I lived in this state. I lived in that state. I sold it. I had so much money. I came here. It was so much more affordable. And now I have all these things. And now I get to play sports. And I'm doing a million things. And I'm doing whatever I really want, living my best life. So that actually happens in this country. A lot. More than you could imagine. Especially now you're seeing a huge increase uh, after covid because now where people can work in so many different environments and it doesn't have to be down the street from where I live. I mean, you've seen it time and time again, and, you know, here in Atlanta, how many people are moving here from, from more particular up North or up North where it's colder. Affordability is higher. Taxes are less. The weather's better. And they still make the same money. Cause now whatever you make, has nothing to do with the area. So I'm very curious to see where real estate in those expensive markets goes outside yeah. of interesting. It's trendy and cool and it's popular, which behavioral economics always plays something. So, you know, I don't think Manhattan or something like that's going to fall apart because there's also limited space. However, I do believe it's a huge boom, especially in the South, and all the numbers are showing that. I think that things are a lot more affordable. And I think people are also moving. Uh, because 
different reasons. The political climate's different down here. Even if there are Democrats and Republicans, they just seem to get along better, way better, because there's just not this divisive language and behavior. You know, it's the Southern hospitality. You don't have anything good to say. Don't say anything at all. But, you know, you can completely agree to disagree. That's okay. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because it makes me think (laughs) it's hard to love your neighbor when you don't have one. Like that, it makes me think of homeownership and what effect that had. Like, yeah, you have have a community, you have have those little, like, look, it's Memorial Day weekend that we're coming up on. And I got emails from the neighborhood about this open area that they have that's real nice for a little shindig. Bring your kids, do whatever, you know, let's have some fun, run around, we'll shut the street down. Community. It's about community. People need camaraderie. It's, you know, don't ever let anybody tell you that they're perfectly okay alone. Now, they may be perfectly okay to be alone at times, because I do believe that's a superpower to spend hours with yourself. I think that is but not years. I mean, then you're a hermit and we all know how it worked out with, you know, Ted Kazansky, the Unabomber. You can really get really angry at life if you're a loner. We'll title this episode, Ted Kaczynski and mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> he did own his property free and clear. <laughs> Sadly, I hate to say that. You notice? Well, that's horrifying. Do you know it was his brother who turned him in? Oh, sounds like a decent... Human well, being. it sounds like a paradox, but yeah, that's tough. So, what are some objections to why people say home ownership is not for me right now, or maybe ever? Well, right but now you have it. this mythical. Now, this is mythical emotional answer. They feel like real estate's going to go down. Because of 08. But demographics drive everything. And our friend Barry Habib illustrates it. Very unemotional. My generation, Gen X, was the smallest in over 100 years by a percentage of number. The two generations after it make the baby boomers look like my generation. Huge numbers. It's just natural. You, you move to a certain age. You get married. You have kids. You don't want to be in an apartment. That you know, sucks. You uh, you may want to rent a townhouse or something like that, but at some time you aspire. It's very natural. You know, like I talk about behavioral economics that drive things. So demographically, we have more people turning 31 to 38 starting last year. And really, 33 is the real wheelhouse, but now they're even saying 31 just because. So that makes the number even bigger. So you have all this demand. All this demand. Very little supply. So how the heck is the price going to go down? Well, oh, interest rates. Somebody can afford it. Hmm. You know, they put a house for sale. It's off the market like that. Now, the great news is permits are up and builders are starting to to build again. But, you know, we have an affordability because there's a lot of regulations that go down. And the challenge is not 
the states that are growing are the ones that let builders get get it done quicker, which on average, from when they buy the land to when they're able to sell the house is, is two years. And that's because real estate and where the misconception goes is they think, oh, okay, well, the federal government can do something. It goes all the way down to the county ordinance. There's just so many layers in getting that to move. So the challenge is this is a 10-year challenge. And it made sense. We overbuilt in the late 2000s. That led to the crash because then we didn't have enough people. So it dropped the value. It's the complete opposite this time. We don't have enough homes. We only built 5.9 million homes during 2010 to 2020. And to give you perspective, in 1930 to 1939, they built 5.4 million. So we only built half a million homes, and the population in 1930 was 120 million. Now it's 330 million. The seller's market, it's going to be. Now, is it as high as it was a year or two ago? No, but it, is, it does make it comical to me when somebody's like, oh, I lost money. No, you didn't. You bought it for two hundred, and you're selling it for five hundred, six hundred thousand. How are you losing money? Oh, I could have gotten seven. Okay, I mean, you can't ever perfectly time anything. That's that's fool's gold. But are you not better off than you were? Well, yeah. You know, it's kind of like the people who have the attitude of "I have to go to work today" instead of "I get to go to work." Because if you lose your job, I'm I'm pretty sure you will not have a problem wanting to get to work again. So a lot of it has to deal with perspective. Mm. What's what's then? What's your advice of what the audience perspective should be about owner ownership in twenty twenty three and four? I think the later years of Gen Y and Gen Z in particular need to go back to the Gen X mindset that existed. And what I mean by that is, it's completely okay to have a starter home. It can be a condo for God's sakes. It could be a condo that later you don't even sell. You rent it. You start building your wealth that way, and you follow the rules of OPM, other people's money. And as long as, uh, well, I don't want to turn into a landlord. Okay. You know, people make a lot of excuses to be lazy mm -hmm. or not to take risk and transfer risks and then understand why things don't go their way. Everybody held out for the bigger home, and I just think that a starter home is perfectly okay. I mean, if you don't have the family yet or the kids or you have one kid, well, what's wrong with a townhouse? What's wrong with a condo? Nothing. Nothing. Mm. Well, I don't get it. It's going to be in demand. You get write-offs. Pay rent. You're not getting any write-off. You're not saving on that dollar. When you pay rent, your interest rate's 100%. Because 100% of what you pay goes right out. So don't even give me the interest rate argument. Now, if you can't afford it, don't do it. But that's, <laughs> you know, to have happiness, you got to have freedom. And to have freedom, you have to have liberty and self-responsibility. Well, what does that take? Courage. So courage is really the epicenter of it all. And it takes courage to bring a child into this world. It takes courage to take a risk. It takes courage to buy something. Oh, what happens if I lose my job? I do this. The human spirit's more powerful than I think people give it credit. 
Don't look at the negatives. Look at the positives. You'll probably figure it out more than likely. As long as you understand that you can figure it out and understand that you may not have to do things you don't like to do. You may have to ask for some help from people. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you strong. Everybody falls. It's okay. Okay. 